0: I'm Sean Mallory, and you have found episode eight of my podcast, Where Did I Get Like This? A show that talks to people about the places they grew up and how that impacted their adult lives wanted to get one more out for the year this one a lot of fun it was with my friend and neighbor delbert arnold aka debo just a really great conversation and kind of a positive sign that you can still talk to people that you may not always see eye to eye with on every subject all right i hope you enjoyed this conversation with the man the myth the legend debo arnold Well, welcome. Uh, you are my first person in this janky homemade studio I've got set up here. It's pretty it, nice. Well, thanks. It's uh, you know a bunch of quilts on the wall. <laughs> if I can get you to just introduce yourself, maybe tell us about uh, maybe what you're doing with your
1: life these days, how old you are, that sort of thing. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Delbert Arnold. I'm married. I have one grown son. I'm presently uh, working for a driver's education school, and I am an instructor. And they drive testers for young people, or any student, for that matter, that would want to get a driver's license. Nice. And I know you've had about a thousand other lifetimes,
0: but uh, can you give us a quick summation of some other things that you've done in your life. Oh,
1: okay, yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I think about this a lot, Sean. Uh, I always wonder if I'm a stable guy, but uh, <laughs> I, I've been a banker, uh, an investment banker. Uh, I started out as a waiter and a bartender, (laughs) and uh, that's actually how I met my wife. Mm -hmm. From there, I went into pharmaceutical sales, and I worked for those people for about 19 years. Mm -hmm. I was a guy that carried the bag and called on the doctors, and I became a manager. I trained the trainer, uh, multiple other opportunities and things within the company. Turned down a uh, move to New Jersey and found myself inside looking out and Looking for another job. And now you're an educator in the driving world. Exactly. All right.
0: Well, we are neighbors, and we've kind of gotten to know each other a little bit this year, uh, and I've been fascinated by your stories. You're a great sort of natural storyteller, and I think it was Halloween we started talking about our childhood, and you were talking about having a dad in the Air Force, right? He was in the Army. Okay. So, and I'm an Air Force brat. Right. The whole sort of purpose of me doing this is talking to people that have had sort of a nomadic upbringing. And, uh, so after my sister, you're only the second military brat I've talked to so far. Well, yeah. You want to give me a sense of what your childhood looked like as a
1: army brat? Uh, I've been thinking about that since we first talked about it and you sent me, uh, some of the things I would, uh, you would like to ask me and discuss today. And, uh, I've gone back and searched my mind and as many memories as I can pull out of me. I'm, you know, I'm almost 66 years old, uh, I remember in the late 50s, I remember some things we were stationed in Fort Hood, okay. in Fort Hood, Texas. I remember the highlights of my parents talking a lot and telling stories. And mm-hmm. I remember my dad was in uh, air defense, and uh, I remember events like they just brought the new Honest John missiles out and things like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, we would go to uh, these events where they would launch a new missile and show us and demonstrate how the missile would be fired and take off and hit the target that was clearly marked miles away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, my mom always pretty much got to christen the Honest John missiles with a (laughs) bottle of champagne. Wow. (laughs) So those are vivid memories. Uh Uh-huh, sure. I also remember uh, my dad's closest friend at the time and his daughter and uh, that family. We've been very close from the beginning. Mm -hmm. He was uh, the top sergeant. In another platoon in another brigade that my dad was, uh, he was just very good friends. They, they followed each other in a couple of bases that they were trying. He was actually Elvis Presley's E nine and basic training. Surgery. Oh, wow. That's sergeant. Cool. And, uh, there's some pictures somewhere. Uh-huh. Wait, this my, is your dad or your dad's friend? My dad's friend. Okay. Yeah. There's some pictures where, uh, my mom and my dad, uh, were with Elvis Presley in his uniform in a, in the post office in Fort Hood, Texas. Oh my gosh. And- you're sitting on a gold mine. <laughs> And, and you know, you hear those things, but mm-hmm. I never saw him, never remembered yep. him, wouldn't know it, you know? <laughs> so it's not like he came to dinner or anything like no, that? No, no, nothing like that. Like that. No.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. So air defense, did, did you guys move a lot then? Or? Oh
1: man. I, I So I, I put this together and we're talking about all the moves we made. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that even before Fort Hood, I know as a baby, the mm-hmm. family stories were, we came from Fort Campbell, Kentucky okay, and pictures and memories and you hear stories and stuff from fort hood i think uh my dad actually went back to his second tour in korea mm. and we left fort hood and my mom and i moved back to mm-hmm. where they're from in tennessee uh knoxville tennessee where both of them were born in oh. knoxville johnson city greenville tennessee i was born in johnson city uh, tennessee and uh when my dad came back we were stationed at fort bliss texas okay and el paso mm-hmm. which is really uh uh A big tag for us most of my life. Okay. And from there, we were there about two years. And I think I was in the second grade. We went to Fort Chaffee, Arkansas. Okay. And from Fort Chaffee, Arkansas, my dad got stationed in Germany. Mm. And we went to Germany for a little over six years. Two different bases. Okay. One was in Bobbenhaus Germany and one was in Darmstadt. Uh, How old were you there? I was, for the six years I was there, Mm -hmm. I was from the last part of my second grade Mm -hmm. To the seventh grade. Okay. Yeah. Was that a culture shock for you? Uh, You know what? In a positive way. Yeah. I mean, you're still young enough where you don't, you don't understand what's truly going on or Mm -hmm. what to expect or anything. I remember, I remember getting to fly on an airplane from, uh, somewhere and to New York City and then from New York City, a long airplane flight over the ocean to Germany Mm -hmm. and Frankfurt and finally re-hooking up with uh, my father and stuff, uh, but- once I got to Germany, the culture shock was, it was all positive. Okay. Were you on base there? Yes. Well, that's the beauty of it. Okay. That's one of the things I wanted to throw in there. Mm-hmm. At first, we couldn't actually get on base. Oh, yeah? And they called, I don't know if this is still a familiar terminology, so my dad had found a place, and he rented it in an upstairs apartment, or like a second-story house, from a German family. Oh, yeah? And for eight months before we actually moved on base, huh. uh... We lived in a house with a German family. Oh, wow. So it was unique. They had two kids and they were about my age. And, uh, you know, you always saw them. You always mm-hmm. intertwined. They were very, back then, I, uh, it was before the, uh, they were very pro American. Okay. Yeah. They speak English? They did. Okay. And we didn't speak very much German sure. <laughs> at the time. Yeah. It kind of felt like the ugly American, yeah. you
0: know?
1: <laughs> right. Sure. And then, so you guys moved on to the base. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I think one of the things that uh, I thought about when I first arrived in Germany mm-hmm. and just driving through every city, little cities mm-hmm. and even big cities like Frankfurt and even Bobenhausen and Darmstadt. And in the scheme of things at the time, I weren't quite sure how big those cities were. Yeah. In the early 60s, I was devastated. It just, I'd still see the picture of how bombed out the country was still mm. from World War II. No oh, No kidding. I mean, you know, the war was over in 1945, sure. right? And it's almost 15 years, and, mm. and you would drive through areas that were just rocks and rubble. Okay. And I remember asking Dad, I go, well, where did the people live? Mm. Yeah, you put it in context, you know. Wow. Everywhere. F- yeah. P- France. Yeah. Oh, Italy. Sure. Oh, the okay. Netherlands. It was just everything. Huh. It was not even halfway rebuilt yet. I could just, I was like somebody just came through and cleaned it up and cleaned it out. It was huh. all rubble.
0: It's interesting that that's a vivid memory for you. <laughs> did you go to a base school then with a bunch of other military Yeah, kids?
1: that was the beauty. I loved what we did in Europe. I don't know if, what the proper word would be, but it was very, the military and the social life and the school and education were very integrated. In other words, mm. we went to school on base. It was an American school. Yeah, The foreign language we began to learn naturally was German. Mm-hmm. And that was a really big, helpful thing for me. It really carried on uh, after we left Germany. They had an AYA, American Youth Association, mm. on the basis of every base there. Okay. And it was to uh, get the kids involved mm. in every sport that they mm. wanted to be. In but other that, words, if 500 kids came out to play basketball, and I was a horrible basketball player, mm-hmm. then they formed 10 teams, and they had a league. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. And uh, it didn't care if you were good or bad, you ah. know? Same, I remember uh, our, we had Little League Baseball. It was my mm. first touch with baseball. I love baseball. And, Grew up playing baseball, and they had the AYA Little League baseball and huh. Pony League, and then we didn't have as many kids for that, but we had four teams. Okay, and then these yeah. teams would make an all-star team, and then they would we would go in there was two and a half ton, deuce and a half trucks, yeah. and travel to other bases and play their teams. Oh, okay, you know, or yeah. we'd go in an army bus, uh-huh. a military bus, sure. to play sports, uh, Little League football, and huh. and and all those things. You know, it was uh, the vacations we took, uh-huh. travel. Yeah, I got to go to uh, Berlin. Uh, we hopped on a train, and of course, uh, when you left the American sector or the the German area, mm-hmm. you know, you went through East Germany, and there was really stiff restrictions. Sure, you couldn't leave your room if you went to the restroom, which was down the hall on the train. Uh huh. You were escorted by a Soviet guard or an East German guard. Oh no, kidding! Wow. And I it was uh, the, all the windows were blacked out. You couldn't see anything. You had to blacked out in your cabin, and your in your car and everything. <laughs> then you get into Berlin, and uh, we were in the American sector there. I, the Berlin Wall was still up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I was a kid. I got an opportunity. We took a tour and went to Checkpoint Charlie. Mm. I got a little nerdy picture of me standing in front of the gate on the American side. Uh, nice. We actually took a tour mm-hmm. on a bus into East Berlin, mm-hmm. and I remember that vividly because... When we left the American sector, they stopped us right about where the wall was. Mm-hmm. And all of these people came on, they came on, they took all of the uh, military personnel off the bus mm-hmm. and we had to give them our passports. My dad was in uniform, he had a stand mm-hmm. uniform mm-hmm. and all the civilians and stuff stayed on one side of the bus. Then they took us off, they searched that bus down, they ran mirrors underneath it and they did the same on the return, even mm-hmm. more yeah. thorough and uh you know they didn't want you to talk to them or anything mm-hmm. we got to go see the tomb of the unknown soldiers supposedly the bunker where hitler and everybody oh, was wow. and uh sh- we didn't go in the bunker because yeah. it, it wasn't allowed i don't oh, think but mm-hmm. uh where he had committed suicide with him and his wife wow. <laughs> i thought that would be a tourist spot you know, but... <laughs> well yeah really and uh you know you, uh, the Brandenburg gate and stuff you know mm. and in fact, when we were in Europe, I think President Kennedy was over there okay. at that time. Huh. Wow. In fact, we were stationed there when he was assassinated as well. We were in Germany when okay. he was assassinated, and uh, I mean it was devastating to the Germans and of course us. Sure. And yeah, but that stands out again. As yeah.
0: Well, wow. okay. How was making friends and stuff for for you there?
1: You know, when you move, yeah, you always wonder about that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, I can say that uh, you always had to a Start over, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. hopefully you were good at making friends. Uh, sure. If this was in an athletics and stuff, you know, you, you had to reprove yourself, mm-hmm. start over. It wasn't, they didn't know who you were, you right. know, and, uh, always had good relationships and good friends. Mm-hmm. Sometimes at the beginning, you know, you got picked on or sure. you got in a little fight here and got beat up or, but until you, you know, and then the next day you were best friends.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but you found it easier. You were one of those people that I, could do it. Or? I,
1: I guess so. I think it's probably one of the things that's always stuck with me. I've uh, I've always very open and a very friendly, personable, friendly people skilled person type thing. I, I could see. That. I think just the all the changes we went through. Mm. You had to be open and and, and receptive. Uh huh. Sure. You know, a lot of differences. Uh, I know in the military. I look back on things and I think about. Some of the things that we're going through in our society today Mm -hmm. and in the military, if there was any racism, it wasn't really tolerated or you weren't, you didn't see it. I mean, some of my best friends were from Puerto Rico. They were black Mm -hmm. people. Some of Mm them, they they spent the night with me. They lived with us. They ate with us. Mm -hmm. They were Hispanics. Okay. Uh, You know, it was, we didn't understand we were different. Sure. Until somebody else told us so.
0: Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I know you know sort of military justice sort of keeps to in its own i mean <laughs> I, i've heard about you know a navy ships they have boxing rings and right like, and if people have personal disputes it, for any reason you certainly. fight it out and you know and
1: well i've and, always thought yeah. uh especially in the old days mm-hmm. i'm not sure how it is today sure but the discipline and the standards that the military had for my dad and mm-hmm. his troops and sure and, and the rest of them mm-hmm. were pretty tough i i, I don't know if they're doable today with our society, sure. but those standards and those disciplines mm-hmm. were passed down to the family. Oh, sure. And they were passed down to me. Yeah. Either mentally, socially, or physically. Yeah, okay. <laughs> In a good ways. That's well, a great yeah, way I was. Or- uh, I I needed to be adjusted sometimes. Okay. Sure. I was a coachable kid.
0: <laughs> uh, coachable. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, was it a. Was your dad sort of a stereotypical military army guy then? Or It's
1: hard for me to answer that, but I would say stereotype, yes. Okay. He was a very black and white, Okay. disciplined, mm-hmm. say it once, uh, you got that, son? Is it clear? <laughs> okay. Crystal clear, pop, was mm-hmm. the answer he wanted to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he would correct me once, and then there was some um, repercussions. Sure. It was like, we're still very family. I can mm-hmm. remember, because... My dad had 13 brothers and sisters, came from Tennessee farming, coal mining, Uh and he actually left that environment Mm -hmm. before I was even born, when he was 17, and went to the Korean War. Oh, wow. Because he didn't want to be on the farms with his brothers and sisters. Hmm. He came back and uh, changed his method of operations and went into air defense, and 101st, I think, was his last change, Mm -hmm. uh, where he did three tours in Vietnam. No kidding. So... But uh, when we were in the military, mm-hmm. I can remember one time <laughs> we had a, a little little bit of a disagreement with another kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, his dad and my dad uh, got involved in it. And mm-hmm. uh, then it got physical at all levels and mm-hmm. found ourselves uh, uh, at the dispensary. Everybody was getting a little patched up. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember the MPs took them. But uh, well. when we left, they sent the kids home with the families. Uh-huh. We're friends the next day, the kids, sure, you know? <laughs> sure. Yeah. But it was a very arduous uh, couple of days for both his father and my father because they they, they don't let that stuff happen. Oh, so they, they took sort of their own discipline to, yeah, the, to the, the Yeah, I can't remember the acronyms sure. and the, yeah, yeah. the things that they use. But, mm-hmm. yeah, they both got some kind of ticket or citation huh. and okay. went in the record book and, you know, huh. and wow. came back home and, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah nothing happened. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see. It's all good.
0: Right on. Uh, we were stationed in England when I was a wow. kid. My dad was at uh, Lakenheath over there. So he was a, a fighter pilot navigator. And so we, we never lived on base there, we lived out in this English country home oh. in this little village and so my sister and i were the only american kids there we were like little celebrities according to my mom you know uh we came back with little british accents and stuff i mean
1: slightly yeah, yeah well,
0: <laughs> whatever that is <laughs> but uh if you're learning german over there i mean h- how fluent did you have
1: to become you know i i learned german mm-hmm. i started learning german yeah i took it in school all five years i was in school there mm-hmm I came back to the United States, and in this eighth grade, yeah. I took Spanish, mm-hmm. and we were in El Paso at Fort Bliss at the time, mm. and so it was a natural thing to do, right, being on the border. And I wished I had stuck with it, mm. but when I went to high school, mm-hmm. I took four years of German, okay, because it was just a f- base for me. And you knew it; it was yeah. Your it was year uh, already. I mean, mm-hmm. it, now if I really wish, sometimes I would applied myself. Yeah, you know. In that opportunity, I can still understand when somebody slowly speaks it, mm-hmm. I can read it, Yeah, you know, I can conjugate the verbs and the past tense and all the pronouns and everything, Yeah, but you don't yeah. use it, you lose it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And I wish at some time I would have really followed up on that or mm-hmm. even try to become bilingual in, or trilingual and maybe even learn some Spanish, better yep. Spanish. Sure, yeah. But- uh, the beauty of it was when we were living with a German family, that's when it was the best. Oh, nice. Because okay. they were always sharing stuff with you. Hey, this is how this is, or say it this way. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, you know, you put the verb here and there and change it around. <laughs> gotcha. It was really, you know, and if you're dealing with them every day, mm-hmm. yeah. you practice it and learn it, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: So you said you, you remember watching missile launches and things. Did you have a sense of what your dad did? Was he able to talk about it?
1: He didn't talk about it a lot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can remember times where I know he was gone for two or three weeks at a time for maneuvers. Mm-hmm. I can remember when we were in Fort Chaffee, Arkansas, it was Cuban Missile Crisis. Mm-hmm. Didn't see him for two or three months. Oh, wow. Was he down there? No, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, he never told us what he did. Sure. Okay. <laughs> and, and you really did never ask, you yep. know? Mm-hmm. And it, even like when he came back from Vietnam. hmm He wouldn't tell you much. You know, you want to hear a story or hear something. Sure. How was it, Pop? You know, he never said much. Yeah. Never, uh, I could tell it affected him. Mm. I remember, um, I don't know if I'm off track with where you want to go, but I remember I was in the eighth grade and he let me stay home Mm -hmm. and watch the World Series from school. Yeah. And the Detroit Tigers and the St. Louis Cardinals were playing. I think it was 1968. Uh And uh, we had a little black and white TV with those little rabbit ears, you know, and some aluminum foil on it. And he was laying on the couch watching the game and he was for St. Louis. I was for Detroit and I was in his recliner and Uh a car backfired out somewhere in the neighborhood. It was really loud. Yeah. And he rolled off the couch, threw over the coffee table, and I thought he was going to dig a hole in the floor and I'm watching him Wow. and I'm going, and he looks up and he goes, I'm all right, boy. Just, I'm all right. (laughs) So
0: he was in combat in Vietnam.
1: Oh, I'd imagine so, yeah. He was a chopper guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Was Vietnam right after Germany for him then? So let's see if I can get this timeline down. Vietnam, we came back from Germany Mm -hmm. to Fort Bliss. Okay. And that was around uh, 68, 69, somewhere in there. Those years are cloudy for me. Mm -hmm. And his first tour to Nam Mm -hmm. Was I think 67, 68. And the reason I remember that is the incident I just told you about mm-hmm. shortly after yeah. he came back. Sure. He was at home on leave and hadn't had to report to active duty. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the same time, I remember he got to take two weeks off and meet my mom in Hawaii. Okay. And then as he came back from mom, I think they stopped in Japan and he brought me home one of these Toshiba tape recorders, the real, the real tape, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I remember, that's a great gift, Pop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I remember taping music from mm. Kenny Rogers, Don't Take Your Love to Town, uh, Neil Diamond. <laughs> nice. Those were the hits Not on sure. the chart back then. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those were the first songs that I ever recorded on anything. Okay. <laughs> so then he had to go back. So you said he, two three or? tours. Three. Three tours. Okay. And uh he never really shared uh, anything about it. I said I would go pop Did to- yeah. you have to kill somebody. Yeah, sure. I won't talk about it, son. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about it. Was that constant throughout his Constant okay. throughout the whole deal. Uh, my mom would say, don't ask your dad about this stuff. Okay. Okay? Yeah. It was just a family standard. Uh, uh, sure. He said, if he wants to share something with you, he will. Okay. I remember uh, him telling a story one time. We were at a barbecue with other military uh, families, and uh, he saw a young kid with uh, selling American Coca-Cola bottles to GIs. mm mm-hmm. So a group of GIs would came up, came around him, and the guy blew himself up with four or five GIs. Wow! I mean, you, you see that
0: stuff in TV and movies and stuff. You don't you don't think that it's real, but man, but he he the, told you about kid, that kind of little stuff. kid. Yeah. yeah, yeah, wow! Oh my gosh!
1: Um. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, it yeah. just registers in your head. And you want? Well, what do you mean, little? wow Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You, you don't you can't get details because he won't tell you. Yeah, uh, but he'll he'll tell you up to that point. Yeah, oh, yeah,
0: wow. okay, and then. So he did. He came back after the second tour, and then went back again. Yes, sir. Uh,
1: my yeah. my mom and him had a discussion, and yeah. she just said, "Frank, his name was Frank," mm-hmm. and uh, she said, "I don't want you to go back to Nam." Yeah. I was approaching seventeen, eighteen. I had to register for the draft. Okay. I think it was one of the last draft classes. Correct me if I'm hmm. wrong. I don't know I that. Don't know. Yeah, last high school senior class and okay. I had to register for the draft, and wow. I was the only kid. And, wow. And I was so militarized and patriotic that i was prepared to go and do my thing and yeah my mom said no you're not mm. you know you're going to college okay and my dad said you're not going to that war son wow <laughs> ah. and uh that was huh. that was it <laughs> as far as any me, me going in the military at an early age
0: wow. so you said choppers but again was he a pilot was he a gunner Eric uh, pilot. Uh, okay yeah yeah
1: he was uh he had gone and changed his uh uh, operational status several times in training really so uh he would talk about some of these things like i would remember sometimes he would be carrying these big Hueys, and they would be carrying the artillery mm-hmm. with these huge cables down and these big guns or whatever they were i don't know mm-hmm. what kind of guns they were yeah. would be built into these platforms yeah. that they would drop all around the macon delta in the swamp and these platforms were to keep the gun above the water level and the rice paddies and okay. everything and then he said that uh, every time they were flying, Charlie was always taking pot shots at him and pinging off things, you know. And then they would drop him down, fly back, and do some more, things like that. Hmm. I have no clue if he ever had to drop people into active combat or, or even pick up the wounded or anything, but I'm sure probably something like that. But his his link was right to the Air Defense Center. So. Oh, wow. Uh, did he stay in when he got back? He stayed in for about... We went to Fort Sam Houston in Houston, Texas, when I was in high school. Okay. And that was the devastating move. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, the last thing I thought I was going to have to do mm-hmm. was ever move in high school. A- okay. And to me, I'm going, I, I don't want to do this, dad. I- it doesn't matter whether you- what you want to do or not. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. that's just the way it was. And so uh, we made the move and yeah. things went pretty good. Houston was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't live on base there. Okay, I got into a new high school and. Got involved, played uh, sports and stuff, and then uh, I had an opportunity. My dad knew he was going to get out of the service, and he knew he was going to retire and come back to El Paso. Mm. So I had a football coach uh, for my senior year, allowed me to move back and live with him till my parents got there. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, Well, oh, that's really cool. So and, and so, uh,
0: so you, you, how long of that year did you have to spend in Houston?
1: Uh, I spent about uh, my whole soft my whole junior year in Houston. Okay. Yeah, and then right as the junior year was coming to a close and school let let out, mm-hmm. I moved back that summer to El Paso with huh. my coach and some friends, and uh, my parents were back within a year. I huh. can't remember exactly, but how was that transition back for you? Well, back to the friends and people you knew. Yeah. They were excited to see you. They were glad. You know? sure. It was, you know, it wasn't as tough as going down to Houston and starting over again. Okay, but it. But there's a gap, right? Fast. Yeah, was, uh, yeah, yeah, I made friends down there fast, and
0: we never ever went back to anywhere we lived. So that's right. an interesting thing, and I've heard a couple of people say that where they'd go away for five years and they'd come back and they have to. They knew everyone, but it was different, right? Right.
1: But maybe you
0: just got to jump right back into it. Well, it yeah, I think
1: cool. the fact that you're still young, yeah, you're flexible and. It's not really a change when okay, you come back. Sure. And you got your old friends there and you just want it to be the same. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of any uh, differences that uh, might have popped up or could pop up in my memory where I didn't think it was the same. But it was pretty much, you know, okay. right where we left.
2: <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah.
1: And your dad uh, left the service then? Yes. Okay. He did. He retired there at Fort Bliss. Yeah. Uh, It was an amazing deal because he uh, retired on what they call the polo fields down there Mm -hmm. in El Paso. And, uh, you know, big fanfare for him and all the people that retired. And Mm. we got pictures of that. And, you know, and and it was kind of ironic. But uh, I ended up playing rugby in El Paso for a long, long time. And all of our home matches were on the same polo field. How cool. Yeah.
0: What did he do after he got out?
1: He went in to be uh, a postman. He became the, uh, uh, one of the postmasters, uh, assistant hmm. postmasters. Hmm. Started with his own route, everything else, uh, went in the postmasters. The guy never retired. I mean, he never quit working. Sure. Him and my mom had some issues at the time, and mm-hmm. there were some separations and talk of divorce and stuff, mm-hmm. but they, he never really divorced her. Okay. He retired from the post office, and he went to work for Southern Pacific Railroad. Okay. What did he do for them? <laughs> well, he was like... Uh, They were looking for gentlemen that were retired and Mm -hmm. they would pick up, you know, engineers and uh, the conductors and Mm -hmm. all the people that were being involved in a train were only allowed to drive so many hours, you know, be on the train for so many hours. Mm -hmm. And when that hours ended, it was a strict enforcement. Mm -hmm. So people would find themselves an hour or two away from home in New Mexico, Mm -hmm. other places in Texas. And so these guys, my dad and these other guys would go and pick them up and bring them back home. (laughs) Until <laughs> their next time that they had to go out of town. Stuff like that. How fitting. They, they're out
0: rescuing guys. Yeah. <laughs> Just bringing them home. Yeah, <laughs> right on. Okay. So is he still around? No, he's not. Okay.
1: No, he's, uh, uh, he left us, uh, goodness, I want to say about 12 years ago. Mm, okay. Yeah. I mean, were you guys close by then? Or We had what you would call a love-hate relationship, okay. I guess, type sure. of thing. Yeah. When I went off to school mm-hmm. and came back a couple of times. Yeah. It was getting pretty ornery around the house with my mom and him. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had some conversations over that. Mm -hmm. And so we were kind of like, didn't talk a lot. But we would get back together sometimes and Mm -hmm. we'd say we need to do this more often and stuff. Sure. But Frank was like, uh, he was just kind of a kind of guy that wanted to be by himself. Mm -hmm. I think he was most happiest by himself. Okay. Bought a bar, called the Sergeant's Lounge in El Paso. Oh, yeah. On one of the main thoroughfares there in, in El Paso, okay. and uh, uh, I'd go in there every once in a while with him and have a beer or something, mm-hmm. you know. And right that was always a thorn in my mom's side because he never—they never divorced, okay—but they didn't end up together when they were both passed uh, away. Oh, I but see. But my dad always took care of her. Oh, wow. Yeah, he really did. Hmm. Your mom, what what was she doing
0: during all of this? I mean, she well, or... early
1: years, she yeah. was being a mom. Yeah, you yeah. Know? she was uh, fortunate enough that she had an opportunity to be a mom. Mm-hmm. I remember when our first uh first came to El Paso in the early six right around I guess it was first grade, sixty, mm-hmm. I think, sixty one. Mm-hmm. And uh she became a registered nurse. Okay. Right. And then uh after we came back mm-hmm. from Europe and was stationed in El Paso, she went back to being a registered nurse. Okay. She worked in the uh what do you call it? The infant section. What do you call it, the the keep all the new babies? Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember yeah. what they call it, but that's since she had her little you know, all those RNs had their starch, different all kind right. of hats that sure. I don't even know how they got on their heads, man. They look like they were rocks, you know? <laughs> and she worked the 11 to 7 shift, oh, wow. okay. <laughs> 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. So, and I would just be going off to school. She'd be there in time for breakfast and uh, she'd get her rest during the day. And then we were all back together as a family. That was a big thing. With my dad, we always had meals together. Okay. Dinner was family time at the table very strict disciplinary and I always had to sit to his was right mm-hmm. you didn't really talk unless you were spoken to okay <laughs> right. I uh, I, you know how kids are and sure. I can remember times where you have a you weren't allowed to sing at the table or do okay. anything you had to wear a shirt all the time a shirt yeah you know, okay. I mean you, yeah. You, know, you had shoes on and everything okay. I mean like you know, it was, it was, yeah. Ah. yeah and uh, <laughs> I was humming a tune one time he said boy we don't do that at the table Uh huh. and you know how something just stays in your head oh sure just stays yeah. in your head you yeah. know you can't get rid of it Started again, man. The next day, I know, whack. Uh, he just kept eating his food. <laughs> wow. uh, I, I never done it again. <laughs> yeah. I guess that works. But that was his style. Yeah, sure.
0: How about siblings?
1: No siblings, only kid. Oh, wow. I always ask why I didn't have brothers and sisters, but I was always uh, told that, you know, hey, you're better off for it. Mm. and. I think that uh, carried over and that's why my wife and I only had one. Okay. Because she had five siblings and uh, it was, I think it was one of the things that really carried over. I mean, Mm -hmm. I knew I could always take care of one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. Maybe
0: being one of 13 is like, no, we're good with one. Yeah. I think
1: think that had a lot
0: to do with it. Yeah. I mean, I have one sister and she was kind of my saving grace during all those moves because, you know, at least you had a friend when you moved, that sort of thing was that a lonely
1: existence for you or, you know, there were times where I felt lonely. Yeah. Uh, I think, but I don't know if I knew what it was. Uh, yeah. Okay. You know? I mean, there were, I was very good at entertaining myself or making up things and doing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad would read the paper in the morning and I wasn't allowed to read the paper until he was done with it, but mm-hmm. then I'd read all about the sports in the paper and everything. And he'd talk to me about it and stuff, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, I always had friends, you mm-hmm. know, and, and on the basis it was friends, uh, Mm -hmm. I don't think I was. Okay. If I did, I didn't dwell on it. Okay. Uh, What part did uh, religion play in your family? Protestant, Baptist. Uh, My mom was a devout Protestant, Southern Mm -hmm. Baptist. We were raised in the church. I'm not sure I understand how she always got my dad to go. Okay. (laughs) Okay. But he was always there on Sunday, no matter what. Sure. And I was there on Sunday whenever the doors were open. Okay. Sunday morning, Sunday night, mm-hmm. Wednesday night. Okay. You know, anything, we were there. Okay. And so it was an important part of your community? I have a, I have a lot of strong religious beliefs. Uh, okay. I, I'm not sure I'm religious. Okay. I don't like the word. Sure. <laughs> okay. I could talk yeah. all kinds of things about what I don't like about religion, but sure. I am a Christian. Mm-hmm. I have very stout beliefs. I'm very conservative. Uh, yeah. I'm open to new ideas. Mm-hmm. I, I think just the fact that everything that I've experienced mm-hmm. has been formulative on how I am today. Sure, sure. I mean, I don't think I, I feel blessed. Mm. I feel really wow, that was cool. I mean, mm-hmm. and you tell somebody else like we share a story or something yep. when we're together with yep. our block parties, and mm-hmm. and uh, everybody likes it. You yeah, know? No, I'm yeah. I'm sure. going, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I have a lot of experiences. Uh, I learned how to get along with different people. Mm. Mm-hmm. Definitely had different school teachers in different school systems multiple times. Yeah. So there was adaption. One of the things I always felt is that change was constant mm. and it was inevitable. Oh, okay. So, and that's kind of carried over into my corporate life. Sure. I did never understand why people would be so obstinate to change, especially mm-hmm. as we've moved into yeah. uh, the technology age because it's, it's there. It's just mm-hmm. something you got to deal with. Yeah. If you sure. can't deal with it, you have a problem. Sure. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. During your moves, was the the church like a place of comfort for you and your family every time you moved?
1: I always enjoyed uh, our church times. I'm trying to remember how it was in Germany. I think because they didn't have an actual. Uh, I know they had a chapel mm-hmm. where all all religions had their different services. Yeah. But I think the we met in our school, our elementary school mm-hmm. over there for our church services on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I can't remember too much about it because yeah. we were all together. We played sports together. We went okay. to school together. We went mm-hmm. to church together. Yeah. yeah. We ate dinner. We stayed at every, I mean, it was, yeah. can't think of how different it could be. Very <laughs>
0: much like a small town
1: feel. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yes, exactly. All right. Got you.
0: But going back to high school, do you know what the count is? How many times you moved before you got out of high school?
1: 10 times. 10. Including the one time in high school. Okay. I, was, I went back and uh-huh. I may be off one or yeah. one time there, but sure. not more than one, but okay. uh, 10 times All right. in, in 26 years.
0: Okay. <laughs> some good numbers. Yeah. Um, so you said you went to college. Where was that?
1: I actually started my college career at a small university in Alpine, Texas called Soros State. I went down there to play some college football. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a Division II NIA school in a Lone Star Conference and uh, came back to UTEP within two years. Mm-hmm. Finished my degree at UTEP. Mm-hmm. Uh, was a political science minor in European history and mm-hmm. uh, was thinking about a... Law degree going to law school, decided uh-huh. so I didn't want to do that. I got really involved in rugby, okay. Played uh, a lot of rugby in Texas and the MLRs, and uh, we had the opportunity to uh tour England once. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, uh, it was a beautiful opportunity because when we were in Europe, it's one of the places we never went. Oh, okay, and uh, it's always been a big part of my ri- my life, and uh, I coached high school teams for mm. rugby. Uh, with people that helped me and taught me. And, and mm-hmm. then you had to be certified to USA Rugby. As, mm-hmm. uh, it's probably the right thing to do, you know, as mm-hmm. to how to do things right and teach and coach. Then I was the coach for the University of Texas at El Paso's rugby team. I revived it because mm-hmm. when I first started playing rugby, when I moved back to El Paso, yeah. it was just called UTEP Rugby Team. We were all uh, college kids. Oh, you know? okay. And we had a kid from New Zealand huh. who was a rugby God. He Mm -hmm. was (laughs) a rugby God. He started our team. In other words, he was a junior, all black. Uh, he was Kiwi. He was probably one of the, he was a United States Eagle rugby player for several years. Oh wow. Capped many times. And, uh, he was the reason we had a rugby team and he Mm -hmm. was the reason we got to be pretty good. Mm -hmm. And then everybody graduated from school. We became the El Paso Scorpion rugby club. Okay. Later on they tried to revive the UTEP team Did pretty good, but it faltered. But then when I retired and after coaching high school a couple years and seeing these kids hanging around, Mm -hmm. I went back and went through the process of having the school make sure we fit their standards and met all their things. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was the uh, head rugby coach for the University of Texas at El Paso for several years. I got to coach against my son, Oh wow, (laughs) who was an all-American rugby player for the University of Arizona. And uh, they came out to play my team once and they brought their B-side to be nice to us. (laughs) Yeah. At least it was a pretty good match, <laughs> but we coached against each other. His oh. head coach let him coach against me, and oh. uh, same thing. We brought the team out to U of A and Tucson, and mm-hmm. you know the family. We had pictures together. We coached against each other. He had his stuff on. I had my stuff on, and yeah. the scores in the background. Yeah. Losers both time for you, Chap. Uh-
0: <laughs> <laughs> was was this sort of a part time? thing that you love doing? You were always oh, doing it was definitely else. part-time. Oh, I, had okay.
1: a, I had to have a career. Okay. There was no compensation in it. Oh, okay. uh, if there was anything, uh, there was uh, some, uh, what do they call it? stipends? Oh, sure. Stipends for travel and mm-hmm. things like that. You know, We had to comply with grades. I had to have an on-school advisor and campus person, mm-hmm. but no money. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Just the love of the game. So when you got out of school, what were you doing? My first job, full-time job out of school was mm-hmm. I went to work for a bank. Okay. Started on the teller line. Oh, yeah. Was a teller. hmm And then I cross-trained. And uh, uh, when I graduated from UTEP and decided I wasn't going to go anywhere else or do anything, uh, mm-hmm. they put me in uh, the management program. Mm-hmm. So then I spent eight months in audit, which I hated. <laughs> yeah. General ledger, which wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. I can crunch numbers, but I don't want to crunch them all day. Sure. <laughs> I cross-trained in lending. Uh, I was trained to balance all operations in okay. lending. Lending right. operations and bank operations mm-hmm. is what my specialty was. In fact, uh, my next job was, uh, there was in 1984, a, a law change in the books where you know you had the old savings and loans, mm-hmm. and they were the only ones that could provide mortgage lending okay. and savings accounts. And at a bank, you were just DDA and you know installment loans and things like that. So a couple of the bought a failed savings and loan. Mm-hmm. They had just got deregulation in and they turned it into a mortgage lending oh, yeah. and a bank, but see savings loans couldn't offer demand deposit or checking accounts. Oh, okay. So they had no operational foundation mm-hmm. for that. So they brought me over there to set that up. Okay. So I came over and I remember when I first got there, I was watching back in the old days, they don't do it this way anymore. Back in the old days, Every time people's checks cleared the bank, mm-hmm. they came out in batches from data processing over in these big boxes. And we had 10, 15 girls or ladies sitting there filing them into the accounts that oh. they were going to. And then you put the checks in the envelope and you send them back out. Okay. When I got to the savings and loan, man, they were filing them in shoe boxes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, just whatever they could do and I'm going, how do you do this? Which included everything. Uh-huh. I took over all the investments for the bank, uh, the liquidity, uh, uh, if I knew big loans were coming and funding. and. Back then, interest rates were off the wall. Okay, I mean that was when uh, you know you had gas shortages, and uh, wow. so I spent the big time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes to meet liquidity or large loan demands because that's all they really wanted. Mm-hmm. They built that bank mm-hmm. to make mortgage loans and finance builders and and get into business. So if they needed the money, mm-hmm. I went to the boards and got it, and I would go to the people like the federal bureau of uh, Indian affairs okay. where these guys got all of the um, money, and, no stuff. money and stuff. They yeah. have billions mm-hmm. of dollars mm-hmm. and yeah. they go, yeah, Delbert, I can sell you, you know, $800,000 today at 27% for 30 days, which mean I had to come up with that oh, and wow. the 27% uh-huh. in 30 days or renew it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Things like that. Okay. So wow. we had computers, but yeah, we, we didn't have any spreadsheets. <laughs> <and> so- <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: I mean, I'm literally using General Ledger, yeah. you know, those accounting sheets and oh, stuff, you know, yeah. and, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> okay. and this entire time, what,
3: you'd
0: spent your
1: evenings and weekends with the rugby world? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yes. Out of the family. Okay. I was blessed with a beautiful wife that loved rugby and okay. uh, she was one of the ones that always wanted to be around and uh, and then she became a rugby mama. <laughs> okay. When, when did you guys get married? 1983. Okay. She asked me. Oh, No kidding. How progressive of her. It's a great story. Yeah. It's a great story. She asked me to marry her. Um, We had an off and on relationship for almost 10 years. We were friends or enemies Mm -hmm. or, (laughs) I don't want to talk to you again away. Don't call me ever again stuff, you know, how that stuff goes, you know. And uh, uh, I would run into her in bars when we were kicking around and Mm -hmm. I'd say, hey, what do you think? You Want to go home tonight or something? And she I just want to be friends. (laughs) And I would Uh have one of these asinine off the wall, male comments, you know, uh-huh. So said, well, I don't want friends. <laughs> Maybe something a little bit different than yeah. that, but I won't uh-huh. say it, sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so one night she just got fed up with it. And about three o'clock in the morning, she's knocking on the door in one of my rooms. I lived with four of the guys. We were all vice presidents of five different banks. Oh, wow. And, and we all played rugby. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. And uh, she's there. And one of the guys says, tell her. Karen's at the door. She doesn't seem like, she wants to see you. And I said, well, send her back. No, you got to go to the front door. Uh, She ain't coming in. So she pulled me out the door and kind of looks at me and she goes, now, if you want to be with me, you're going to marry me. And I'm asking you to marry me right now. Uh And I just go, can we sleep on it? (laughs) (laughs) And I go, no, I mean, I I will. I I knew I was, it's just, it was, it was a, it was a match. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah.
0: And you guys stayed planted in El Paso this entire time?
1: Yes. Okay. That was a, the whole time yeah. after the military travel days were over. We never moved once till we moved to Colorado. No kidding. Four years ago. How long of a time span was that? Oh, so my son was born in El Paso. He graduated mm-hmm. high school in El Paso. Yeah. He started college for, went to f- college for five years at mm-hmm. U and we were living in El Paso. His wife got a Job as a teacher in Arizona, mm-hmm. but then they decided they want to come to Denver. We had relatives at Denver. My okay. wife's sisters and families were up here. Okay. And we were always up here on vacations and mm-hmm. uh, skiing or whitewater rafting, camping and fishing, all the things we like, or just mm-hmm. being lazy. And yeah. And the next thing I know, my son's wife gets a job with the Denver public school system. She mm-hmm. loves it. She's still doing well. Oh, yeah. She's in one of those, I don't know if I'm saying this right, she's one of those title schools where if you stay, at, you can get your school loans. We pay and stuff. Oh, yeah. My sister she, was a social she, worker here. Oh, yeah. She is too, yeah. like, uh, when I talk to her, she's like a beautiful, I know she's got to be a fantastic teacher. Oh, yeah. Because I've always been worried about what mm. that's like for oh. kids to be taught today because the oh, curriculum sure. changes. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, You don't know what's going on. and uh, mm-hmm. But she's a very level-headed, beautiful person. And in her school, they get invo- involved with the families. yeah, yeah. yeah. They go and visit the kids in their homes sure. and they become intricately involved to try to figure out where they're coming from yeah. when they're having obstacles with learning or how come they're so sharp or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But anyway, they talked us into moving up.
2: <laughs> <Okay>. Gotcha. <laughs> well,
1: it came with a little bit of a job ending type thing there in El Paso. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karen and I had really tried to take it easy until Jack went back to school mm-hmm. at, at U of A. Yeah. Uh, when he went back to school, we had to get yeah. a job. Yeah. So that was, Wow. <laughs> So we went into uh, property management in mobile home parks and got a job. Okay. I think we were there for about 12 years. And okay. uh, and see, that's not unusual because sometimes when we first moved back to El Paso in the army, we bought a mobile home and lived out there in those mobile home parks off of Dyer Street where people were always staying. and There were just tons of mobile home parks out there, you know?
0: So it was a, wor- a it, world uh, you big knew. Mobile, yeah. It
1: was a big army population oh, in the mobile home parks. Oh, big, really? Very nomadic type thing. Oh, you know? sure. And in Fort Chaffee, Arkansas, we lived in a mobile home park. Okay. So when it came to managing them, uh, I did that for a while.
0: Well, okay. So you said there's a lot of military people. Is this in lieu of military housing or was
1: that their solution for military housing? I wouldn't say it was a solution. I would think it was in lieu of or an opportunity. As I got older, Mm -hmm. living on base was, you didn't want to live on base. Sure. I don't think my parents wanted to live on base. Yeah. And I've heard the army bases have never been that.
0: Great to begin with, the air force bases have tended. Who too? Yeah, yeah. To yeah, well, a treatment, I guess.
1: But. I mean, once again, you were under their control on base. Oh, I see. I mean, yeah. so you know, mm-hmm. uh, there was nothing out of the ordinary that yeah. didn't go undisciplined. <laughs> sure.
0: Was your dad uh, enlisted then, or yeah, <laughs> okay. he enlisted. Yeah, so yeah. my and dad he was went an to officer. OCS. Yeah. Oh, he did. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so my dad was an officer, so we definitely got a different right. side of that. But
1: well, Karen's, my wife's yeah. mm-hmm. dad was a Korean War right. About. Yes. Yeah, I definitely. Colonel like to... Ben Carnell.
0: I'd love to talk to her too. It sounds like she yeah. she
1: didn't been... move a lot. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. She uh we have great articles and mm-hmm. yeah. and stuff about her dad. Uh, I mean we try not to embellish it and exaggerate, but sure. uh I know he shot down at least eight megs in Korea. Oh wow. There's a big article we have in our scrapbook over there where one of his uh uh what do they call the guy that hangs out on your light like in Top Gun, what do they call it? Your wingman. Oh, his yeah. wingman got shot down. Oh, wow. And uh, the guy was down in a big ditch. Mm-hmm. And the North Koreans were like 50, 60 yards away. You could see a picture of him in the mm-hmm. paper of the El Paso Times. And Colonel Carnell, Ben Carnell, was stri- strafing him. Yeah. Strafing him, trying to buy him time till the, oh, wow. the helicopters and the choppers and all the rescue and reinforcements came in or whatever they call them. And uh, he made like three or four runs mm-hmm. under heavy fire, ran out of fuel himself. Okay. Had to bail out wow. just as everybody got there to help out. <laughs> <laughs> and he had some citations for that. I'm not uh-huh. sure about how yeah. all that went. but Oh,
0: because it probably was not following some kind of protocol in terms oh, of that. saving at one person yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, huh.
1: And I I can attest to that, yeah. but uh, I'm not sure I would have tried to do the same thing. Yeah, you know? sure. And I think they would have done it for each other. Yeah,
0: sure. So she didn't move around a lot. Was she interested in being planted in El Paso as well then? Or? She loves El Paso. Okay. Right? She
1: was born there. You know, our son was born there. Yeah. She went to all of her high school and grade yeah. school. Everything was in El Paso. Yeah. She's what we call the native El Paso. And, you know, and I call her the Huerito because she's white, but she speaks beautiful Spanish. Oh, yeah. I'm jealous. <laughs> huh. She And she misses that culture to a certain extent. Oh, because sure. Even when we managed the mobile home parks, a lot of our residents mm-hmm. didn't really speak a lot of English. Okay. So one of the reasons we probably got the job was because how well and how good uh, she was in Spanish. Huh. Interesting.
0: So El Paso just seemed like the place for you guys. Did, after all this moving around, did you just want to be in one place? Was I that dig. That was important to you? I did. The word yeah. move,
1: Yeah. I tore it out of the dictionary. <laughs> That's great. If we yep. moved, I remember yep. all of us guys that I told you are five guys. We uh-huh. were, they would never renew a lease for us after the first, <laughs> for every five years, for five years we moved yeah. and I hated it. Yeah. And so then when we moved up here and I moved into this house, I told Karen, I'm never doing this again. Okay. I'm never doing it again. I don't care what it costs, where it is, or what's happening. Yeah, and I said I'm not picking up furniture ever again. Boy, was that a fib too? <laughs> I was
0: gonna say I've seen furniture out in your
1: lawn recently. So you know, yeah, we're getting new carpet and yeah. new floorings, and I had to move furniture again. I mm-hmm. Guess.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you guys were not interested in that life for your son either. I take it.
1: You know, I talk to Jack a lot about because Jack is really sharp. He does everything. You know, first of all, it's always nice to know that when a son, a man's son, grows up, that. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's better than you are, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I have no problem in saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's He can build computers. He can build systems. He builds web pages, He does all this stuff. If some of it was self-done. It's self, he mm-hmm. drove himself, and he learned it and did it. And mm-hmm. uh, I told him, I said, if you wanted to consider a career in, in, in the Army, mm-hmm. you probably would never have to be on a battlefront. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, we've talked to people here that, I don't know if I should say this, but uh, <laughs> people that work out at Buckley that, Drop a few bombs via a drone and go home and have dinner. Yeah,
0: yeah. My, I've talked about that with my dad, and he just can't imagine that as a modern military person. You know, you, there's there's been plays written about that. There's been some movies, and but I mean, that idea you're playing a video game
1: almost with people's lives. And, yeah. Um, and he he has all those. You know, it's like you are playing a video game. It, you're flying a drone. You yeah. got a missile on it. Mm-hmm. You've got a target, right? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and this stuff is just comes natural
0: to it. Oh sure, mm-hmm. and I'm
1: looking at him. And I'm like, How did you do that? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Dad, you're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: oh wow. No, maybe I. I... <laughs> okay, maybe I am. <laughs> it's a focus issue. It's it's not what entertains me. okay, okay. fair enough. <laughs> wow.
0: So I guess you've never really had that itch to move on a regular basis. Then if you were no. sort of over it. Yeah. No sir. All right. No sir. Because, I mean, we, on average, because we did about six times before I got out of high school, and you know, about every three years. I've moved, like, another ten times since then, whether it was college or my marriage going south or whatever. But I, every now and then, I, I have, I'm definitely one of those people that's like, maybe I should move, you know. But Chicago was the longest I ever lived anywhere, and that was after my undergrad and stuff. And that was just shy of 15 years. And then I wanted to be close to my family here, and I'm kind of in the same spot as you now. I'm like... I, don't, I mean, I want to travel. I want to see other things. But I really am not interested in being anywhere else again for a while,
1: you know, unless some opportunity. It's kind of unusual, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I have thought about, you know, people call me and go, hey, what do you think about coming out here? And mm-hmm. I got this for you. And I go, yeah. yeah sounds good, but I'm yeah. not your guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know what it is that causes me to say I'm not your guy. I just, mm-hmm. for once, we're with my son and mm-hmm. his wife. You yeah. know, we're going to yeah. hopefully... Watched them raise a family sure we're with Karen's family mm-hmm. and it's been always a very good support system there sure. and uh, my brother-in-law and my nephew and uh, her sisters they've always been very accommodating and mm-hmm. and it's all family it's that's all the say it's all family do it's all family okay yeah I mean and I, and I don't know if I want to change that or put pressure on
0: it. yeah I understand that I never thought about needing it like that that stuff just became more important to me as I got older and was going through stuff and I felt like I needed that in my life, you know?
1: And just something fleetly ran through my mind a while ago when yeah. we were talking about this. When we did move, huh. it's just something I can remember. It wasn't so stressful on me, mm-hmm. I thought, as it was on my mom. Mm-hmm. I think she carried the burden of the stress for me mm. and my dad yeah. because she was the logistic manager. Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> And she had to keep the home front intact. Yeah. She had to help my dad keep his front intact. Mm. And so I see these fleeting memories of her kind of almost breaking down or crying mm. and then see me walk in the room and she goes, oh, we're good. Yeah. yeah you know, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I remember when I didn't want to move to Houston when I was in high school. Yeah. I think uh, I sometimes wonder about it because it put some rift between my parents.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: My mom says, "Why don't I just stay here? Because we know you're going to get out of the army in a year or two, Frank, right?" And she gets it. Get to, did, yeah, didn't didn't hunt. Oh, I see. So we yeah. moved to Houston. Just, that's yeah. what my dad said. He called yeah. the shots. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it was. It kind of looked like I look at Karen and I being married today. It's a uh-huh. partnership. Yeah. When you're in the military, I'm not sure a partnership has anything to do with it because you can't. Yeah. You can't go against what the military is telling you to do. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And if you want your family together, you keep it together, or mm-hmm. you make other decisions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know my mom had that sort of notion of being the officer's wife that she had to, you know, there is a, a certain. Well, oh,
1: you got a mystique you got to have, and you got to have that charisma. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And there, yeah, there's a uh, social expectations. Karen's mom
1: like... was beautiful with that too. Oh yeah. sure. I, I don't see her in that environment. I never yeah. did, mm-hmm. but just knowing her Yeah. And, and her husband being in the air force was mm-hmm. like, I see pictures of her and mm. she was like a homecoming queen for UTEP and, yeah. uh, Austin high school and all this stuff back in El Paso and a mm-hmm. very beautiful lady in her own way. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Those ladies had to carry a lot of weight. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, sure. I would say they carried the bulk of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, my dad was in Korea for a year on a remote and I think that was the hardest time for their relationship and our, you know, our family. Cause that was my freshman year of high school. So it was, it was a little rough, but she got to go out there and, and see him. And, uh, but you know, up until recently, never really talked about how that affected her. But yeah, I mean she definitely had those breakdown moments, I think in the Korea year for, for specifically. Strong,
2: powerful yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, you've talked a little bit about memory. I mean would you say you have a lot of memories or is it things that you've been told over the years or I mean
1: I have a lot more memories than the than the things and the stories that I read, yeah I was told. Yeah, them. sure. Okay. You know, I would think that probably I've been told more than I think I have. I just mm. didn't remember it. Yeah, sure. And less... Uh, brought up. Yeah certainly. I yeah. mean but most of my memories are things that are steadfast and mm-hmm. I remember experiencing mm-hmm. and uh, enjoying or finding like wow I can't mm-hmm. believe we're doing this again or mm-hmm. something you know mm-hmm. all part of what helped make me what I am today mm-hmm. whether it's good or bad.
0: Sure <laughs> well it just comes up a lot because my sister and I really just have kind of crap memories about our childhood. There's a lot of gaps. Uh, we don't know if it was sort of a coping thing or just kind of we just didn't get attached, you know? But the fact that it's both of us is very odd. People are like, well, did you have like trauma? And we're like, well, we moved and that seems to be about it, but you know, otherwise great home life and everything else. And so, it, I don't know. So that was the way we dealt with it, right? We just, we kept ourselves a little uh, away from it and just didn't connect to a lot of things and people. Did you your know?
1: mom help keep you away from it?
0: I don't. It's hard to say. I think my mom did a lot. Of oh it. really?
1: Yeah. I- Cause when it came down to it, uh, yeah. I didn't really bother moving at all till I was in high school. Oh, I see. And uh, she made that
0: shift easier for you or I guess not, not uh, I think
1: the whole family union, and yeah. even though my dad was a hard man, mm-hmm. uh, he's a guy you wanted to be around. Okay. You
2: know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right on. I, I mean, and then back in those days, mm-hmm. I mean. I don't even think trauma was the word. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the I think, only trauma yeah. I yeah.
0: got was yeah. if I said no. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's a very sort of modern way of thinking about things. Yeah, yeah. so I mean...
1: And, 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 and there yeah. was no emotion about it. It was yeah. just a yeah. black and white decision.
0: Yeah, it just... W- did you guys ever have to move like mid-school year or anything? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well I tell people about that, they're blown away because yeah. non-military oh. people just are like, how how do you do that? Because we did at least once moved. Middle of the school year. We at least got like over Christmas break or something, but often during the summers. But I mean, it was it we ever tried like... their best to yeah. make it
1: during the summers. Yeah, but sure. Say for an example, like when we moved from Fort Chaffee, mm-hmm. Arkansas, and went directly to Europe. Yeah. I left the second grade and had to start second grade there again. Oh, wow. So that I can't remember it being yeah. negative or anything. Sure. Um, I can remember that when we were in Arkansas, it wasn't my favorite place to be a kid. Yeah. We weren't on base. We lived in a mobile home park. Uh-huh. It seemed like a uh, real swampy area type thing. Oh, yeah. There, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope I'm not talking out of my, you know, no. on that. but uh, <laughs> no. uh, I know uh, I hear stories that I don't remember them, but mm-hmm. uh, my dad had to kill a water moccasin under the mobile home. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, things like that. A lot of wildlife. Uh, mm-hmm. I had to ride a school bus. That was traumatic. Okay. The first now, time. Yeah, yeah that sure. was... Yeah, could be. I can remember many times the school bus driver whacking me and... <laughs> I remember one time he <laughs> just put me off the bus and made me walk home. And when they dropped me off, my mom was there and yeah. I wasn't there. And he goes, he's back on the road somewhere, lady. You make the kid mind, you know. Wow. Definitely. If he can't times. mind, he's not riding on my bus. Oh, wow. Huh. There was no problem after that. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. And I had already walked a couple of miles, man. And I was like almost in tears and pain. I was tired. I was scared. I didn't know where I was at, you know. Ah. And then my mom and dad got me. What are you doing, boy? Uh, yeah, sure, <laughs> double
0: barrel there. Yeah. Yep, yep. huh. Wow. Well, you touched on it earlier uh, in terms of how that upbringing has affected the way you see the world. You know, I mean, how do you look at that now? Uh, you know, looking back at it in this way.
1: You know, I I think I appreciate a lot of things. Mm, yeah. Uh, a lot more than maybe mm-hmm. having been able to see some situations and some. Mm. Be startled and mm. shocked. And mm. for example, seeing Europe still bombed out. Yeah, sure. And then seeing a war movie and then knowing really, hey, yeah. mm-hmm. that's I, legit. I put yeah. it in, in, yeah. in perception that was a real reality that we mm. knew it. And yeah. uh, I'd tell my, my wife, I go, that's yeah. how it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it was. Wow. And I mean, and, and uh, I think at the same time, the opportunity to uh, move around and make new friends mm-hmm. gave me a kind of a diverse personality uh diversity in different cultures different foods uh mm-hmm. different lifestyles mm-hmm. different countries sure. you know yeah we try our, my family was really good at making sure we tried to immerse ourselves in, in what the german culture was about and mm-hmm. stuff when we lived over there yeah we were very embracing they were just as embracing if not more mm-hmm. yeah so i think those keep me a little bit open-minded okay i see situations i don't like and i try to figure out you know why I don't like it. it mm. Is it a problem that it's my problem or mm. is it a real problem? Okay. I mean, it's kind of like I just did a presentation the other day for that podcast for our company in the social uh, media mm-hmm. where, you know, they asked me how I solve drive problems that students have. And I, I just used an old quote from Maya Angelou. Mm-hmm. It's I don't solve problems. I change the way I think about it. Mm. And if I change the way I think about it, then there's no problem. Huh. When I'm teaching kids to drive, I ask them. Well, what are you thinking what are you seeing mm. and i said what if you thought about it like this okay what if you think about it like this mm-hmm. what if you circle the wagons from over here you okay know? and uh it's a very kind of a extension of the socratic method i guess you could mm. say you know yeah it's sometimes very difficult to have the kids huh. answer some of the questions we ask because they've never thought about it and you just hear the thinking you can mm. s- it's there you can feel it and you uh, I Honestly, there's no wrong answers here. Mm. This is coaching, <laughs> teaching, and learning. I'm learning from you too, you know. Right on. But if I don't like something, I've always told my son. Mm-hmm. I tell my wife. Yeah. If I'm the one that has the problem with it, probably most of the responsibility of why there's a problem lies within me.
0: <laughs> it's a very sort of self conscious or self aware way to think about it. Yeah. I think that's pretty great, you know. And and again, can you trace some of that thinking back to this kind of upbringing? You know, I do. Yeah. My
1: dad was very. I I call him a hillbilly. <laughs> The man, the man had logic,, uh, he had common sense, yeah, and he was a thinking man and, mm-hmm. and, and he just had some simple simple things, and I'm trying to remember some of them that uh, might be mm. shareable, yeah. <laughs> sure <laughs> sure,, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but it's just all black and white. Mm. Said, Why would you think of it being over here? There is no gray mm. area, here. okay okay, if you're in this gray area, it's because you chose to be yeah, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and, and there's a lot of gray areas today.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I think it had a lot to do with me. Yeah. I mean, it just came right back down. Was it right or wrong? Mm. Was that a good decision? Yeah. Okay. What, what, if you, was not a good decision? Why mm-hmm. did you do it? Yeah. Why did you do it? Mm-hmm. Come on. There was a reason. Yeah. You know, and then kind of like the old thing is, you know, first time we'll live with it. Second time, maybe third time you did it by choice. If you're doing the same thing, right? you, know, okay. you do it the second and third time, it's sure. usually a decision that huh. you're willing to make because you know there's repercussions and you're trying mm-hmm. to get away with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was the way it was. I don't know.
0: You think that life is still
1: impacting you and your life today? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, it means a lot to me. Yeah. I, I will say this too, that uh, a lot of the young people that I ride with and, and teach, and, and I'm pleasantly surprised.
2: Okay. In yeah, what way?
1: They're, they're thinkers. Oh, yeah? They're thinkers. They're Take just a- not believers. <laughs> you explain what you mean by that? Well, they have some pretty sound opinions. Okay. You know? And when they say them, I'm like, wow. I, I, I simply say, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that uh, we aren't allowed to do with students, and I'm sure probably huh. in any learning environment or teaching environment, is mm-hmm. we don't talk politics. We don't talk uh, religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are sensitive issues. You sure today
0: oh yeah i think always but yeah especially yeah. today yeah but i mean you say they're what is it that they they have some thoughts on the way they see the world and you're you're perceiving them and are they're just young and and don't have the sort of knowledge to back it up or they don't know how to talk about it or i'm just trying to parse that out a little bit more like how you're seeing it
1: i'm seeing him a lot more intelligent and articulate and communicative. yeah ways i you know, yeah, I, it's been a, a great surprise. Huh. I mean, they have, have things to say sure. that I find interesting, which and is yeah. I like. Okay, I mean, they can teach me some things too. Mm. And yeah, and, and you, 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 every once in a while, you have that one very shy, reserved student, mm-hmm. and uh, they're very seldom uh, you see anything in them or that they mm. share with you. Yeah, but you see, their driving sure drastically improves. So you know, you're having some impact. Uh-huh. Hopefully, yeah, you know, it's just. I, I don't know I, I I like being with these kids. I like being with students I don't, even whatever age there is. Let's yeah for, I've, I've given a guy that was ninety six years old a drive test and i and he, <laughs> pa- he passed yep. he passed oh wow, guy drove better than me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, it's just cool to hear you talk about it that way. I think millennials get sort of this bad rap about their social media idiots and can't communicate. And but that's great to. I always,
1: I yeah. always am impressed with questions that other people ask. Yeah. Especially if I'm interviewing somebody. Okay. For a job. Yeah. And these kids ask me to go. What do you think about this? Uh huh. And if I'm, I said, well, I don't think it's appropriate. We're I'm here about this, but uh, yeah, you can tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And uh I mean they ask tough questions. Mm. They ask you good peel the onion kind of mm. digging in questions. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. that makes you know and you understand that mm. they're thinking about things and they want more information about
0: it. I was thinking about you were just saying the, the whole gray area thing, right? And you came up in a world that at least to your father's sort of thinking was this black and white world, and you came to appreciate the the gray area area in between. And it's interesting to me. I mean, we've had some interesting discussions. I mean, the last political cycle, our our yard signs may have been different. I loved it. I, I loved it, too, once we kind of got over the hump of it, right? <laughs> because there were certain expectations, I think. And I think a lot of us are not seeing past that, you know, enough to have conversations and can talk about it, you know, and and discuss those gray areas. I don't know, and I just, I, but it, yeah,
1: that's it's changed, Sean. Hasn't yeah, it? yeah. You yeah, used yeah. to, you mm-hmm. used to could be. I still love everybody. I love our block. Yeah. You know? Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I would always say that I would die for you to mm. have the right to say who you want to vote for yeah. and do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, but yep. I'm getting a little concerned these days. Yeah. That that may not be the right attitude. Oh, mm-hmm. or, you know, or, yeah. or you know. And I, I've had people say things to me, and I, I just back down. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I have no other way to go. Sure. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not happy with whoever runs this country. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm not happy with yeah. our leaders in general. Sure. I don't think they have any cognizant, embracing, uh, any feeling for us. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't care who they are. Yeah. I don't care what part of they are. And, right. and like I've always told everybody, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'd like to be uh-huh. an American. Sure. And I have certain beliefs that yeah. I don't want changed.
2: I understand. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. But I still think it, you know, you, oh, we're all good neighbors here. Right? Yeah, yeah. We're very good friends. and mm-hmm. I mean, to me, this makes the block. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And we just keep finding more neighbors yes, that sure. are all part of the fold and everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we could discuss things. I discussed something the other night yeah. uh, about politics. Yeah. And I said, you know, I like a different approach. Yeah, yeah. I want to hear what people are going. Yeah. But sometimes you get afraid in our society today to bring up something. Yeah. And discuss it because then.
0: yeah. Yeah, no, and I definitely didn't... You even got to
1: worry about it in your job. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: And I appreciate that you are this, you know, a bit of a worldly person at this point. You've had this, all these experiences that have sort of shaped the way you think. And I think there's not enough people that have had that on either side of the fence that, you know, can look at it in a way and say, okay, this is a, I get this thinking that you have and I understand I want to talk about it but I think everybody wants to take a side and defend their position to the death sort of thing and I well, think well well put yeah and I I just I don't know talking to you like this the way we've had conversations gives me hope that that, that <laughs> can still happen you know I, and I I just I think the right and, people make it happen I do but how do we you know how do you spread that how do you you know um you know how do you carry yourself in the world where well, that's one of the common? things and,
1: I've learned is we've gone through these phases mm-hmm. as a kid yeah yeah and maybe I should have brought this up earlier uh-huh. uh the Vietnam War yeah great upheaval yeah yeah The riots in LA and mm-hmm. Detroit and Chicago mm-hmm. I'm at high school in El Paso Texas and yeah they had riots there yeah you know uh, the fact that my dad was a Vietnam vet mm. and when he came back home he didn't feel embraced yeah oh, sure. you know you know, you, the Kent State deal. Oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, these are things I grew up with. Mm. And I'm going, you know, Fort Ed in Ohio, you know, by mm-hmm. Neil Young, right? Yeah, yeah. To me, and then and now, I think, how could we mm-hmm. shoot our own students on a college campus? Sure. You know, there's something going on here that we don't control. Yeah. And they're trying to get us mm. to make it a division. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. they conquer by dividing.
0: Mm, regardless who of who the they is yeah. exactly, and I don't know who they are. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I just I I don't know. I like to think about that in terms of the way I was raised. That I feel, or at least I hope, that I've got more in common with your average person than I have. You know, well, I'd say you do. I would yeah. say this podcast is going to even put you in more in touch with. But
1: yeah, you are. You're a well-rounded person. Yeah, but I mean, I even think that's why we're friends.
0: Oh, well, I, yeah. I appreciate that. I agree. But I mean, I talk about this a lot. We saw a lot. We were around a lot of different kind of people. And yet we were still in this bubble where, I mean, the military took care of us. Right. So we would never lacked for anything. That's um, true. Often, you know, your officers and your enlisted folks are sort of segregated on the base. They but, You know, often like when we lived on the Air Force Academy, literally the enlisted people lived in this valley. and We lived in this sort of up in the hills above them. And. You know, there were these built-in systems. You had the NCO club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You
1: had the officer's club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You had the officer's mess. You had the NCO yeah. mess. Yeah. It was, yeah. that's the way it was. Right. And and yet. And I've been yeah. in both of them. Mark, oh, sure. Yeah. Before my dad went to the uh, OCS, mm-hmm. on Sundays in Europe, we were yeah. always at the NCO club. And yeah. And pretty oh. soon we were at the officer's oh, club. Oh, how interesting. <laughs> yeah. Huh. It, it, me, uh, after church on Sundays, we'd go to the club. Yeah. Uh, they would start playing bingo and my dad would give me some money and we'd take all the kids and I would go watch movies for a quarter all day yeah. Yeah. at the theater on base mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. and then come back and we'd all go home at night yeah you know? <laughs> sure yeah even in
0: that military mindset where you know a lot of these everyone was you know equal minded and you know there was still separation by rank by class by you know so i mean there was a microcosm of bigger society and you know it could be uh, considered some problematic issues but Still had a respect for people that was different, and, and you talked about and you know treated people in certain with certain respect.
1: Well, we've gone through these upheavals before. I think yeah. we're in the middle of another one. Yeah. And, and I think, and I hope, and I pray that it uh, plays itself out,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and everybody uh, we come out for the best for it, whatever that is. Sure. I mean, it's kind of like I remember one time we're from the south, mm-hmm. and we drove back to Tennessee for a vacation when my dad had some leave. Yeah. And you know, we went into a restaurant in Memphis, Tennessee, it mm-hmm. was just right out on the outskirts so I think it was Mickey, Tennessee, where my, one of my dad's brothers lived yeah. and uh I remember somebody coming in as a black person, and they were told they can't eat there mm-hmm. and I'm watching I go dad what what's going on here yeah, you know I, I, what, what is that huh what is that mm-hmm. And he says, don't. It's just something we, you know, we won't be here for long. so I see. Those times came and went through what they went through with Martin Luther King and mm-hmm. and all of those. Uh, this Vietnam War upheaval and yeah. and what it did to our country. And uh, uh, I think for a while it made us a smarter, better nation. Mm. I don't know where we're headed today. I It's not in my hands, but uh, right. I think there's a lot of frustrated uh-huh. people sure. that are classed. In poverty, yeah, lack of education or lack of opportunities. Mm-hmm. I don't know what those. How do you solve those things? But I know countries have. Sure. I think that there's a push not to solve it. Mm. Yeah. To keep us where we're at today mm. and to separate us. Mm. I don't know how to say what makes me feel that way, or yeah. be able to prove it. Yeah. But I mean, we have the answers. We're mm. just not digging them up. Interesting. I mean, I'd pay a forty-eight percent tax base if I knew my kids could go to school and I had beautiful health care. Well, you should run. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. I think I'm one of those guys they'd kill.
0: Uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean to it's make it so pretty black and white.
1: Yeah, fair, Okay.
0: No, I didn't mean to make it so heavy. I just, <laughs> That's all right. That's no, I just either. I, I appreciate. Yeah, a lot of the conversations that I've had with people. You know, they've talked a lot about their privilege and. And there's sort of this notion of moving around as a family, right? You're either seeking opportunity or you're escaping something. And a lot of us that, you know, got to move around had the privilege to do so where some people are stuck. Right. And I think
1: see where you're coming from. Yeah.
0: That offers me um, a lot of gratitude towards the way I was raised. Yeah. It definitely makes me appreciate what people go through and what my parents, you know, so, again, just that perspective is I'm
1: so thankful that I have that as part of my life, you know. I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. I could have put it better than that. And uh, I wouldn't do it all. I would do it all over the same if okay. I had a choice.
0: That I is mean, something I've been kind of asking uh, people. If you had that yeah, magic wand I, option. You I know? would not do it over. Okay.
1: Even the bad times. Yeah. I wouldn't do them over. Okay. And we've had some interesting bad times. <laughs> well, sure. I bet. Yeah. I think everybody has, you know. Yeah. Sure. And, and bad times to one person and bad times to another mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm may not equate. Yeah. But if it's your bad times or it's my bad times, yeah, it's my problem. It's how it impacts me. Mm. You know, nobody else really sees or knows how I feel. I yeah. don't always know or see how you feel. Right. You know, no matter what we talk about, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how people handle inside what they mm. go through whether it's good or bad. Yeah. I'm not sure sometimes I know how I do it. <laughs> right. But you keep that in your mind. It sounds like yeah. at least
0: uh, do you have a tally of how many times then you've moved
1: in your whole life? Does that mean even in El Paso when we moved homes when, and stuff? You
0: still had to adjust your life. So okay. Yeah, oh, know. And somebody somebody else put it, uh, I've, you know, in terms of homes, you know, if it's not moves per se, maybe it's
1: homes. I'm going to probably, so Karen and I and Jack uh-huh. uh, went, went to three different homes. Yeah. Like I said, when I was with my Bachelor rugby buddies. Uh, we moved every year for five years till I got married, and then everybody went their own way and stuff. And uh, I was a five, five, eight. Uh, we moved in, in uh, to one of the mobile home parks we managed in uh, El Paso and six. I would say approaching and knocking on 20. Right. 20 changes of life. Yeah. And I may have missed a few there. Yeah,
0: sure. I, the more I've talked about <laughs> this, I'm like- I it's probably yeah.
1: closer to the higher end oh, or sure. more yeah, yeah. And on the
0: lower side. I've definitely had a couple of those where it's like, oh yeah, I moved like three times in college because uh, I got kicked out or what, you know. <laughs> so like, but it's just funny, you know. I, mean, I
1: didn't even throw that yeah, stuff in yeah, there. Ex- I yeah, mo- yeah. I moved down to Alpine, Texas to go to school. Yeah. Yeah. There you I go. moved back. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So and, and I mean, yeah. we were in a different house when yeah. I moved back. And some people are like- <laughs> you know discount those but i'm like but yeah but you still have to throw your crap in a bag and in a truck and you know and i have talked to some people that have moved twice in their lives and that's been some interesting comparison you know and you know what like i was talking to nadia and her sister yesterday she's in wisconsin and yeah they moved twice during their childhood and just seeing the difference between the lives is fascinating to me so kind of what i'm getting from a lot be. of I bet you yeah but yeah interesting yeah uh,
1: I've never thought about it in, sure. in, in on that plateau, but I could see where maybe once or twice sure. in 30, 40 years, yeah. four decades is like yeah. still probably, Yeah, I, I wonder how people feel that are trapped. I'm sitting here sure. since you brought that up, I, Yeah, I'm, I, it makes me think about yeah. what a horrible desperate feeling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, and, and not to know what that's like. Sure. And try to understand it or why they would be mm-hmm. not happy or even angry. hmm you yeah. know, I yeah. think
0: I would be an angry person. Sure. could be that person trapped in a small farm town. You could be that person trapped in a inner city projects, you know, I mean, and again, I think that's where the whole privilege thing is, like the way our parents got to leave those situations if they yes. got in, a, you know, and you know. so again, blessed or whatever. I say blessed. Yeah. I like yeah. the word blessed. I, do too. <laughs> and I spent some
1: time in the South, yeah. so I can appreciate yeah. that. I think I'm blessed yeah. to have moved into this neighborhood. I agree. I think it yeah. was just the way it was supposed to happen. Yeah. I was talking to Karen about it today. I said, wow. Yeah. Wherever I've lived. Yeah. I didn't know everybody, five mm. houses this way, that way, or this way, or that way. Like we all did. Oh, okay. Interesting. You know? And yeah. to me, that's a new, unique, cool thing. I, it's, I too really after, get into it. Man. yeah. <laughs> after a
0: Chicago apartment life where I didn't
1: know anybody in yeah. my building most of the time. Yeah. So, yeah, it is. It's different for yeah, me, we, too. And we, I, Halloween, I, we, we three or four it, people set sure. out in the front. And right. We cooked out and yeah. gave candy to kids even right. during COVID. I right. Mean, you know mm-hmm. I mean? We have a legitimately cool block here. Yeah, of, of fine people. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It is. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Maybe uh, wrap it up here. How do you feel about talking about it like this? This
1: uh, has been. It's been very enjoyable. Oh, good. Me. It's been stimulating. Oh, good. I'm glad it's to hear. It's like uh, parts of my brain that I hadn't used in a few years. Oh, right on. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting a pulse over there, and nice. And several times I came back. Well, something just shot through my mind. Sure.
0: You know? Well, I I feel like you know, it, it's I could it, I could have you here fun. every day, I, and we could talk about something different. Oh, yeah. I mean, just the number of uh, career shifts you've had. And th- that's fascinating to me in a different way. So, you know, maybe there's more conversations to be had, you know. There might so, be. All right. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Sure. I'm glad you're willing to do this. Like I said, I'm going to bug your wife next. And uh, <laughs> anybody else in our circle that I can talk into this, I'm going to get,
1: you know. I, I think that's a good idea. I think yeah. we have a good circle, people. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. diverse. Yeah. Diverse in careers, backgrounds, Mm -hmm. upbringings.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. And uh, my pleasure. Yeah. I enjoyed it too, buddy. Cool. Thanks, man. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and shut this down and let you be on your way. All All right, right. sir. That was my conversation with Debo Arnold. Another great one. And again, just uh, a good way to be able to talk to people that you may not always agree with great person, great neighbor, glad we were able to talk, and our friendship and our conversations have only gotten better over the past year. Uh, I just want to say thanks again to everyone who's listened to this podcast. After the eight-month mark, I've hit uh, just shy of 350 downloads, which is, you know, a good start for a new show like this. As always, if you could please rate and review wherever you found this podcast, and if you've listened and you think you might want to be on the show, please reach out to me on the contact page on thefullmedium.com. All right, this will be it for 2021. I will talk to you next year. This is a production of the full media.